Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I believe God's got something to speak right, right to you and to me today. And I want to read, I want to read a, couple, a couple verses. We're in a series called Am I Okay? And I think it's a good thing every once in a while to have that, that inner check. Am I doing all right? Is my heart doing all right? Is my soul doing okay? my mind doing okay. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about, about the inner self and the things that get us off track and the things that bring us back. And um, today I want to talk to you about, you know, how God has a better word to speak over you. I want to I read you a story in, in the book of Genesis, a very, very early story right in the beginning. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And then I'm going to read a couple verses and then, then we'll talk about it. But in Genesis chapter 4, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Many commentators believe that what she was saying is this is the the son that was promised to redeem us from our sins. She thought this was going to be it. This This is the man that the Lord had promised. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, shepherd, and Cain was a worker of the ground. He was a farmer. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. And his face fell because the Lord had rejected his offering and accepted his brother's offering. So the Lord comes to Cain and Verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and he killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. I want to read to you two verses. One in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. It says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. One more verse, Hebrews chapter 12. Last week, we went through 10 verses together, and and I I feel like this verse really kind of wraps up um, some of the concepts happening in, in Hebrews 12, where God's calling us to become sons and daughters. It says this, verse 24, And to Jesus, who is the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus, who's the mediator of a new covenant, not the old that was law, but the new that is mercy. Not the old that was justice, but the new that is forgiveness. And the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. The problem is sin, it shouts over us. And, and, and it shouts Words of condemnation, words of, of, of anti, words of unhealth. 
And it, it shouts continually. And, it, and if, it's not, if it's not our sin or our shame shouting, it's, it's words that have been spoken over us in anger. The worst part is we many times speak over ourselves in our own minds. We hear words that, 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 that begin to be spoken in our mind over ourselves. And the problem, the real problem is a lot of times we begin to believe and agree with lesser words. We agree with lesser words that are spoken over us. We agree with half-truths and lies. And even if they hurt us, sometimes we believe that they know something about us that we don't know. And we come into agreement with lesser words spoken from lesser people that are unhealthy, that were designed to pierce and to hurt and to harm. And, and the problem is that can go down deep in us, in our psyche, in our soul, in our heart, in our emotions, and it begins to fester there, and, and, and bitterness and envy and, and frustration and anger begins to well up within us. We don't even know where it's coming from. It came from a lie, or it came from a, a half-truth, or it came from a demonic word that was spoken over us that we didn't know enough to say that's not the better word. The blood speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word over your mind, a better word over your heart, a better word over your soul, a better word over your failure, a better word over your past, and a better word over your future. The blood speaks a better word. This is one of the first stories found in the Bible, the story of Cain and Abel. It's an, it's an ancient story of, of two brothers that were the sons of Adam and Eve, the, the first two humans that were to ever exist. And, and the story of Cain and Abel takes a tragic turn very quickly. And it takes a turn that continues the, the curse, the fall, the fallout of sin begins to affect their lives very quickly. Most commentators believe that Cain and Abel were twins, that they were born together, and, and Eve believed one of these boys is going to be the redemption for the human race because the promise was that the seed of the woman, through the seed of the woman, there would become a son and he would crush the head of the snake. Though he would bruise his heel, the, the head of the snake would be crushed and, and the curse would be lifted off of humanity. The curse of sin, the curse of shame would be lifted. And so it was a, it was a happy day when, when Cain and Abel were born and they were raised to worship God and they were, they were raised to know who God was and to bring a sacrifice before God. And, and they took two different paths, two different directions in life. Cain became a farmer and he began to work the ground. But Abel, he became a, um, a shepherd and he began to work with the flocks. And when it came time to bring a sacrifice before God, they each brought a sacrifice from their life and, and their lifestyle. Cain brought, the Bible says, just some fruit of the ground, some of the wheat, some of the harvest. It wasn't the first. It wasn't the best. It was just, it just was. It was an offering. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't God. God worthy. It was okay. But, but Abel, the Bible says, he brought the firstborn of his flock, which was a sheep. And, and the sheep was sacrificed and the blood was spilt and it was, it was a representation of the cost that there would now be because of the sin of mankind was that there had to be a blood sacrifice. So they each brought their own offerings. But the Bible says that God rejected Cain's offering and accepted 
Abel's offering because Abel brought a better sacrifice. He brought a better sacrifice, which is where we find ourselves now in, in, in this story with Cain being rejected, Abel being accepted, and, and now Cain is frustrated. He's angry because God said no to him, and God said no to, to his sacrifice. And the Bible says that Cain's countenance fell. Have you ever been around someone whose countenance has fallen? Maybe they've gone through a difficult time or they made a foolish decision or, or they didn't get something that they wanted and you could just see it on them. You could see it in his shoulders. You could see it in his walk. You could see it in the way they talked. It's not that he stopped living, but life was, was, was leaking out of him because of his sacrifice not being, not being accepted by God. But here's what you got to understand. This is the first sacrifice that we're seeing after the Garden of Eden. This is first. And what God is going to say is, I'm going to start this thing off right. I am God and you are not. When you come before me, you come before me in, in, as who I am. I am worthy of everything. God was trying to set it up right at the beginning saying, I don't want you to come halfway. I don't want you to come with so-so. And if there's something in your life that's not right, this is what God's saying. I'm going to put my finger on it. Always. Because I deserve the best of the best of the best. This is what God is saying. He's saying right from the beginning, you are the worshiper. I am the one that's going to be worshiped, and I want your everything. The Bible says be hot or be cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. I don't want that. I want to know exactly where you stand, and I'll tell you exactly where I stand. And so when, when, when Cain brought a mediocre offering, God said, no way. And because of the no, his countenance fell. What do you do when God says no to you? Because the reality is, if you're following God, there's going to be times where he comes in and he says no. He's a good father. You are the child, and he is going to correct you. Last week, we talked about how God's correction is because he wants to accept you, not because he wants to reject you. Whom he loves, he corrects. Whom he receives, he chastises. In other words, God's going to work with you because he's got better for you. His goal wasn't to reject Cain and say, that's it, you're hopeless, get out of here. His goal was to say, Cain, there's a better way to come before me. I'm a worthy God. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to make more of you. I've got better for you. But first things first, we've got to deal with this thing. And Cain couldn't handle it because he thought that God's correction was God's rejection. And, and so he became depressed, which is usually a reaction that we have when God says no to us. There just became a depression over him. And then all of a sudden he said, I don't, you know, I don't know what to believe anymore. I, I thought I was doing good. and I thought things were just going to come into alignment. And, and, and God, God didn't show up the way I thought he was going to show up. What do you do when God says no? Because it's easy to judge Cain, but come on. Come on. We do it all the time. Say, God, that's the one for me. And God says, she ain't the one for you. <sighs> and all, the, all the while, God's saying, like, trust me. I'm, I am helping you. <sighs> you just don't know, God. You just don't know how I feel. What about when God says, no, God, I want this job. I'm fasting. I'm praying. And God says, no. What's your reaction to God's no? We all want God's blessing. We all want God's yes. We sing. We shout. We jump for joy on God's yes, I'm blessed. He's for me. He's not against me. But don't say no to me, God. But when God says no, how we react shows how much we trust him. And here we see that there really was something wrong with Cain's worship. 
Because the first time God says, I want more, Cain says, are you kidding me? I'm doing my best. I'm out here. I'm working. I'm trying to put food on the table for my family. Are you kidding me, God? You're not, you're not going to accept whatever I come up with? God says, no. When you approach me, I want you to approach me the right way. And his countenance, it just, it fell. And here God comes, because God's always faithful to come to us when we're, when, we're, when we're lost in a state of depression. God's always faithful to come to us when we feel like we're not good enough. He doesn't say no and then say, deal with it, kid. That's not God. God will say no, but he'll come to you and say, do you need help to work through some of this stuff? I'm with you. He's a good father. And he comes to Cain, and he says, Cain, look, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? I, I really love this. Because right off the bat, God's saying, look, it's no big deal. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your life. Make a correction, and I'm going to accept you. I'm looking to make you better. What's God saying? I'm looking to teach you something. I'm looking to make you into something. I'm looking to form a right identity in you. I'm looking to form a right mindset in you. And, and it's amazing because let me tell you, whatever you worship, whatever you worship and however you worship, that begins to bring the anointing and the blessings down on your life. And so what God is saying is, Cain, get your worship right and everything that flows from it will begin to come into alignment, will begin to be right. God's teaching him. And so God so faithfully says, he says, look, if, if you do what is right, will I not accept you? God's saying, I'm not looking to reject you. Correction's not rejection. I'm looking to accept you. You need to know this about God. God's goal is to accept you. God's desire is to bring you close. God wants to know you. The Bible says, draw near to God, and of course, he'll draw near to you. Why? That's his goal. He wants to accept you. Listen, it's a lie of the enemy that wants to come in and turn God's no into the fact that God rejects you. Wrong. That's not how it's supposed to work. When God says no, it's for your better. It's for your good. He's trying to draw you closer. He's trying to let you know you don't want to go that direction because in that way is death. But I'm going to bring you into the path of life. The enemy tries to come in and lie and say that means rejection. But I'm here to speak truth over you today. God's goal is acceptance. God's goal is restoration. God's goal is renewal. God's goal is revival. God's goal is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's God's goal. It's what he's trying to build within you and bring out of you. And so he comes to Cain and he says, look, buddy, come on, get it together. Don't let your countenance fall. Don't walk around like, like I'm against you. Don't be down. Don't let this get into your spirit because, because a lot of times what's on the outside is really just a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And he's saying, get your spirit right. Come on, step back up because if you do what is right, I'm going to accept you. That's why God corrects you to bring, closer, bring you closer to him, saying, I'm looking to accept you. That is my goal. But then God is always faithful to bring the warning. But he says, but listen to me, Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It's right outside. And it desires to master you. But you must master it. And the picture here is, is that of a, a predatory animal that's pacing back and forth right outside of your home. And he's saying, this animal, it's, it's got, it's got a, it's got a bloodlust. It's looking for you. It's coming for you. Its desire is to, is to absolutely destroy your future in your life. The devil doesn't come to like make you have a bad day and sort of be frustrated and, uh, and, and, um, you know, get down. The devil comes to steal, kill, and completely destroy. It is, he, he is like a lion pacing, trying to figure out who can I devour? 
That's what the Bible says. And so God's painting a picture for us saying, sin's nothing to mess with. It's like a roaring lion and it's outside and it's not looking to mess up your day or make you, you know, like have some fun that God's against. It's saying, no, sin's eventual goal is absolutely mastery over you. It's looking to sink its teeth in. I love God because he's the only one that's gonna be totally honest with us. We're the ones that wanna be like, ah, sin's no big deal. But God says, no, no, it's a big deal. This thing's a predator, and it's coming not just after you, but it's coming after your whole family. It's coming after your legacy. It's coming after your mind. It's coming after your action. It, its desire is to sink its teeth in you. That's the desire. And, and, if, and if you don't believe that, let's go all the way back to when, when Eve ate of the apple. It's no big deal. Come on. It's just a fruit. You know, you eat of the fruit. But would Eve have known, would she have eaten of the apple if she knew that if I eat of this fruit, eventually my son is gonna murder my other son. Sin is no small thing. It begins to beget worse and worse things very quickly. And this is what God's trying to warn us in. He's saying, you might think this little thing is no big deal, but I'm telling you very quickly, this thing can escalate far beyond what you were prepared for. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I was expecting. I thought it was no big deal. And God's saying, it is a big deal. This thing desires to control you, desires to master you, Sin desires to destroy you. It desires to bring you into extreme addiction. It desires to ruin your family. It desires to come after your children. That's what its desires, but, but, but God says, but make no mistake, you can master this thing. You can overcome this thing. You can challenge this thing. You can struggle against this thing. You can fight against this thing. And in fact, God's warning us, this thing's coming. It's crouching right at your door, not so that you're like, oh, I just, I can't get out of it then. I just, I can't overcome it then. No, God's saying, get a plan of attack. Get some people around you. Pray yourself up. Arm yourself up. Because you're going to fight. But I don't know about you. This is good news to me. This is a winnable fight is what Jesus is saying. This is a winnable fight is what God is saying. Make no mistake, God is always faithful to warn you when you're about to get involved with something that's going to own you. God's always faithful. Come on, isn't he? Isn't he? How many times have you been going to walk down that old path, that old thing, that old lifestyle where the Holy Spirit steps in and he warns you? Sometimes it's so blatant, he'll make the phone ring right at that moment. And you think, Jesus? It's not, it's your aunt, but it's Jesus. It's God. And, and, and you know what's the, the best thing about God? He'll always warn you in the way you don't even want to be warned. He'll, he'll use the worst craziest person to look right at you and say, are you about to blah, blah, blah? And you're like, what? <laughs> I repent, God. God, God, he doesn't give you a little warning. He, he, he hits the sirens. He puts the warning sign on. Wrong way. Turn around. Because he understands that this isn't a little squirrel outside your door. This is a predator. And it's coming for you. And so God says, I'm going to be faithful to let you know, watch out. Watch where you're headed. Watch where you're, what you're doing. He is faithful to warn you. Do not disregard the warning signs of God as if they're nothing. Listen, because, because make no mistake, God will speak right to your heart. That, that's that feeling that you have when you, when you want to do something, but you know you shouldn't. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, don't, don't go down that road. 
Don't go down that road. Now, you can disregard it, but if you continually disregard it, the warning signs get quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter, and sin reigns more and more and more and more. And then all of a sudden, you begin to say, why does it feel like I've got, I've got like jaws clenched into my mind? Why does it feel like my heart has been ripped to shreds? Why does it feel like, like I'm under attack? God warned you. This thing's coming for you, but you can master it. Come on, you can overcome it. You, can, you don't have to lose this fight. You can stay in the struggle. God's faithful to warn you. But here's the problem. Cain disregarded what God had to say. Hey, he, he, we see from this moment on, after God warns him, Cain no longer brings any sacrifices to God. We don't see Cain asking God for further information or coming to God, trying to get things right between him and God. All we see is silence between Cain and God. Because, see, that's what happens when we want to disregard God's warning to us. What do we do? We go silent. We grow distance. And, and in Cain, a bitter root began to grow. And, and, and bitterness and envy for his brother and, and maybe frustration with God for even not accepting his offering as if I'm not good enough, God. I didn't do enough, God. And because it was undealt with, this, this sin that always starts as a seed begins to grow. And here comes bitterness. And here comes envy. And you might think it's no big deal. Nobody knows about it. It's quiet. It's no big deal. It's just, it's just, on the, it's just how I feel. It's just who I am. It's just, it's just what's going on. But make no mistake, this thing's growing and its desire is to master you. Eating of the fruit was no big deal, but if Eve would have ever known that it would have led to her sons destroying each other, she would have never made that choice. It always starts so small. The root of bitterness and envy always starts so small, but that's growing within him, and Cain's disregarding God's correction, which means he has to distance himself from God. He has to cut off communication. And isn't this what we always do? Isn't this what we always do? You're being real quiet on me, like, not me. It's not what I always do. I mean, here it is. It's the first story. And it's, the, it's like one of the first things going wrong in all of humanity, yet this is our story. This is what happens all the time. Is, is in order to disregard God's warning, we have to begin to distance ourselves from God. Because God won't stop giving the warning. He'll just keep giving it over and over. So in order to not hear the warning, I've got to turn my prayer life way down. Like, I'll still pray for my keys. But other than that, like finding them, not over them, just finding them. I'll still pray for, you know, like my car to start. But other than that, I'm not going to have communication all that much. Why? Because every time I pray, it's like the Holy Spirit keeps saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But remember this thing? He keeps, he keeps putting his finger right on the thing. Remember this thing? And it's like, God, I, yeah, all right, I'm not dealing with that right now. That's not what my prayer is about. My holy prayer is about this other thing right over here. And, and, and God's saying, no, I'm not going to answer your prayer over there until you listen to my warning over here. You need to get this thing right. Come on, you need to forgive that person. Ah, no, I need to be forgiven. I'm not going to forgive them, but I really need you to forgive me. And the Holy Spirit's saying, uh-uh, I'm not going to, oh man, this, I don't, I don't want to go too deep into this. So, so instead, instead, of, instead of being, many times, instead of saying, all right, God, I'll, I'll, I will come under your direction, instead we say, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not even going to pray right now. You know what I'll, I'll do instead? I'll, I'll do yoga. I'll meditate instead, you know? And the Holy Spirit's all in your yoga class saying, uh. he, he's, fa he's faithful. He's going to warn you. He's not going to let it go. Look, he, he is, he's got the time. Let me tell you something about God. He has got the time. 
and he is not going to move on until you've learned this thing that he's trying to build in you. And God's, God's saying, look, if you need to wander the desert for 40 years, I'm fine with that. I got, I got plenty of time. Let's go around 40 more years until you forgive this person. 40 more years until you get that root of anger out of your heart. 40 more years until you get that strife out of you. 40 more years. Let's go. I'll go. I'll go another 40. You want to go another 40? 40 more years until you get that fearfulness of the giants in that land out of you. I'll wait till it dies out. God will go around that mountain again and again and again. And let me tell you, if you're in a war of attrition with God, he can outweigh you. He is omnipotent, omniscient, eternal, and you only got like 20 more minutes. And God's just saying, look, I'm waiting for you to get this thing right. And, and the problem is, many times if, if, we're, if we're hurt, we're frustrated, we begin to say, you know what, you know what, I, I, I just, I can't. So we create distance between prayer or the word or church. And we always have a good valid excuse. Hi, I, you know, they're asking me to work, you know. No, the real reason is something's going on in your heart and you can't, you, you, know, how, you know how you can know when God's warning you of something? You're not gonna be able to speak faith talk around faith people. Kind of catches in your, in your throat a little bit. When people are talking about God, you, you can still say the right thing, but it's not, it's not coming out of your heart. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, let me, let me just tell you what the warning signs are when there's something, a root growing in your heart. The warning signs are you can't be around the saints of God. You, you got to be around the, the non-Holy Spirit people. You, you know what I mean? When you get around the Holy Spirit people, the Holy Spirit's right there. Hey, well, remember me? Uh, you got to get around people with some weird spirit, some odd thing, because there's no conviction there. There's no change. There's no challenge there. And it's amazing. We begin to drift back to old acquaintances. We go back to old things. We, we, we begin to talk old ways, and you know what we always say? Well, I'm not, I'm not sinning. I'm not sinning. I'm just being a light in a dark world. I'm not sinning. We always get away with this technicality that what we're doing isn't sin, but it is. You are heading back to the old place with the old people, with the old ways, and your old reactions. Something's wrong. Like, like what you're doing might not be a sin, right, but the way you're arguing, and something's coming out of you. There's envy or bitterness or strife or pride that comes out. That's an indicator that your heart has grown, grown cold. That your heart has grown, grown cold. And sometimes we don't even know it. And that's why God needs to send a preacher. God needs to send a worship song. God needs to send the presence. God needs to send a person. And they come in to say, how's your heart doing? Because it seems like what's coming out of it isn't life. It seems like what's coming out of it is something else. Are you okay? God's faithful to warn you but you need to close that distance with God. Come back and say, God, I'm ready. I'm willing to change. You tell me how to worship. You tell me the path to walk. You tell me the words to say, God, I am coming underneath you. Come and lead me. Because you don't want to allow your heart to get cold. You don't want to allow your heart to get cold because what it produces coldness in your whole life. And that's what happened with Cain. And finally, Cain began to, to, to get a little bit of a scheme. And he, he kind of lured his brother out into the field. And the Bible says he rose up and he killed his brother. It's, it's the very first murder. It's the shedding of innocent blood. And it was brother against brother. And, and we see that, that, that the, the blood of the innocents, the blood of the innocents was shed. And it's like, it's amazing how quickly we went from eating of the fruit to the shedding of, of innocent blood and, and violence and murder. And now we, we have to live in this broken world. We, we are living under the shadow, the shadow of this act. And, and, and God, he shows up. Cain thought he could get away with it. He buried it, thought no one's going to know. 
buried his brother. But God, God shows up and he says, hey, where? Where's your brother Abel? And Cain says, I don't know. He says this, am I my brother's keeper? Which I'm telling you, that's the question that it just rings throughout eternity. Am I in charge of them? Are they my responsibility? It's the same question that the Pharisee asked Jesus about the Good Samaritan. He says, who is my neighbor? It's the same question. Am I in charge of them? Am I responsible for them? Is their life, their heart, their soul on me? Am I my brother's keeper? And I'm here to tell you today, the answer is yes. Yes, you are. You're responsible. Where there's injustice, you're responsible. When there's something that can be done, you're responsible. We weep with those who weep. We mourn with those who mourn. We're together. We're in this thing together. We're all we've got. Yeah, we are our brothers and sisters keeper. I'm with you and you're with me. When we celebrate, we do it together. When we're hurt, we're hurt together. But make no mistake, we're in this thing together. And, 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 and so God said to him, he said, the voice of Abel's blood is crying out to me from the, from the ground. The voice of Abel's blood. Blood has a voice. This was thousands of years before we actually knew that there is information in blood. There is life in blood. There's DNA in blood. We're able to take blood and, and run it through tests and find out if our organs are doing okay. We're able to take blood and find out literally who this person is because of the intricacy of the information that's encoded in blood. And what God's saying is there's some information in Abel's blood and it's crying out. It's saying there's something that was done wrong to me. It's crying out and God's saying, I hear it from heaven. It's crying out. It's crying out. What word? It's crying out for justice. What word? It's crying out for revenge. What word? It's crying out shame on Cain for what he did. The, the blood of Abel is crying out to the Lord saying, will you avenge me, God? Because what was done to me was wrong. And, and that's that's the world that we live in, and the word that we've been under for so long is the blood cries out. But I'm here to tell you, there is another man whose blood was spilt, and it's the blood of Jesus, the true and better Abel. And his blood was put in the ground, but make no mistake, his blood cries out too. And his blood cries out a better word. Yes, Jesus was the true and better Abel. Like Abel was the second son, so Jesus was the second son. First Adam and then Jesus. The brother was jealous of, of Abel and he rose up and he killed him. Just like so many were jealous of Jesus. They envied who Jesus was and they rose up and they killed Jesus. But Jesus let himself be killed. His blood went into the ground and make no mistake, he he. he paid that final price so that his blood could shout a better word. When Jesus arrived, John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. No longer do we have to sacrifice bulls and goats and have a blood sacrifice every day for our sin. Jesus was the one and true and final sacrifice, the perfect spotless lamb whose blood was a very high price and it was paid, though he was innocent, he willingly gave himself up as a criminal on the cross so that us, who we are not innocent, might receive grace and mercy in our time of need. And his blood still speaks better, better, better. The blood speaks better over your mind. The blood speaks better over your heart. The blood speaks better over your family. The blood speaks better over your future. I don't know what words you hear in your mind, in your heart, but I do know that the blood has better words to be said. They're words of power. They're words of might. They were purchased with by a high price and they're speaking 
better, better over you. Today, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. I know it's old school to say, something we don't say in church anymore, but I gotta say it. I plead the blood of Jesus over you. I don't even know what you need, but I know where it's found. It's in the blood of Jesus. I don't know what lies you've believed, but I know the truth that comes from the blood of Jesus. I don't know what's going on in your home, but I know what's needed over the home. It's the blood of Jesus. That's where the power is. That's where the anointing is. That's where his mighty works come from. That's the one who paid the highest price. Yes, grace and mercy is found in the blood. Yes, a better word spoken by the blood. I don't know what was said over me, but I know what the blood speaks. Better, better, better. It cries out mercy. It cries out grace. It cries out forgiveness. When when Abel's blood said justice, Jesus says mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that you cry out mercy. Because I know I don't deserve it. But it's what your blood that was shed, it's the reason it was shed, is poured out over me. The enemy tries to come in and say shame. But Jesus comes in and says forgiveness. He says forgiveness. The enemy tries to come in and say condemnation. But Jesus comes out and says mercy. The enemy tries to come in and life conspires to speak the word of sickness over you. But I know that the blood speaks healing over me. For by his stripes, I'm healed. In the book of Revelation, at the end of time, they come to the martyrs and they ask them, how did you overcome the anti-Christ spirit? And they say, we overcame. Because make no mistake, you're called to overcome. Not be underground, not be in defeat, not be shamed and broken and bound. You're called to overcome. We overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done that we could not do on our own. You speak a better word. And thank goodness that the writer doesn't just say one word. He says a better word. Why? Why does he leave it so vague? Why does he leave it so open-ended? Because wherever you're at, the blood has a fresh word to speak over you. Whatever you're dealing with, the blood has a more powerful word to speak over it. I'm not saying that you won't deal with sickness, but I'm saying the true and final and eternal word is healing. I'm not saying you won't deal with shame, but the true and final and eternal word is mercy. The blood speaks a better word. If you're in this place today and you need to be bound, I'm here to tell, and, and, you're, and you're bound and you're in, in, in cycles of addiction, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus, it, it proclaims liberty for the captives. And maybe you need forgiveness. It's by the blood of Jesus that you receive forgiveness, not by your own works. The blood covers a multitude of sins. And maybe you're not in this place anymore. Maybe you've accepted Jesus Christ and received the blood, but as you're walking, Maybe a root of bitterness has grown up or envy or or spiritual pride. Maybe there's these little things that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on. I'm here to tell you, he's putting his finger on that so that you might have a better word be pled over you. The blood of Jesus. I pray that you plead the blood of Jesus over your home. When the angel of death and the plague of death came over the Egyptians, God said, take a perfect spotless lamb. Take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorposts of the home. You see, it creates a cross. Put it on the doorposts of the home. 
and the angel of death will pass over, but life will be within. When the blood of Jesus comes over your life, from what Jesus did on that cross, death passes over and life is in the house. I pray life is in your house. Life is in your children. Life is in your mind. Life is in your heart. Come on, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.